So, here's a scenario. The year is 2035. The US has been trying relentlessly to make cricket popular in the country. And it's working. Well, partially. People still have doubts about the long format. I mean, what game goes on for 5 days without a clear winner, right? And that's when they decide to make a documentary to capture the real drama of cricket. After a long debate, they decide that the 2020 India-Australia series would be the perfect subject of this documentary. Okay, now they have a script. But who will be the hero of this documentary? So they start brainstorming for names. Will it be Rishabh Pant, who batted the way only Rishabh Pant can to win the trophy for his team? Or was it Tina Trajan, who came on tour as a net bowler but ended up making his debut across all formats? Perhaps it should be Ajinkya Rahane, whose elegant knock at MCG turned the tide for India. Some argued that it might be Mohammad Siraj, who overcame great personal tragedy to fulfill his father's dream. Ugh, it was just too difficult. There was no single hero in this series, so they decided to capture all of them in their documentary. The one thing that was certain to spark passion for test cricket even in the most uneducated fans. Cause let's be real, if this won't, what else would? Hi, this is the Cricket Social Podcast. I'm Akshay, joined by my co-host Janak. Today we are going to look back on one of the best game of cricket ever played. Especially in the context of things leading up to the game. Alright Janak, looking back on how the series actually ended, I think we need to address that all of us were wrong when it came to predicting the series. I had a prediction of 2-1, but it was in favor of Australia. Um, I think the last update that you did, you were also 2-1 in favor of Australia. Yes, yeah, but I started with 2-2. I think you and all of you were saying India is going to get thrashed. So I would still say that I was pretty close. Hey, I, I said 2-1. It wasn't a thrashing altogether. Like I, I wasn't as off like a Michael Vaughan or someone. Like It, it wasn't for nail, right? <laughs> but if Michael Vaughan is English, right? You are an Indian. How can you not back your own people? See, that... the, see the, the thing is that now in hindsight, people will say that, you know, oh, uh, we always give India a chance and whatnot. To that, I say it's rubbish. People claiming that who were outlandishly giving India a chance of like, you know, dominating Australia in Australia with the squad that they have right now are the kind of people who thought that Enron was going to be the next big thing. <laughs> so yeah. those are the kind of people, right? I mean, I, I can't describe how happy I am with the results, with the way the series has panned out. But at the same point, think about it, right? Like it was an outsider's chance when you lose your premier run scorer, your captain, that to after a series opener, which was probably the worst thrashing in your history. After that, you don't see things like these happen. I mean, this is the stuff from fairy tales, basically. Like, this is what Bollywood and Hollywood movies are made on. I mean, if anyone would have claimed that, you know, uh, oh, we always thought India is going to win. I, I don't think I, I'm going to give that statement too much weight. because <laughs> Yeah, but at least mine, mine is on the record, right? I didn't say, yeah, we're going to win. But I totally agree with you. I just, you know, whenever I made the prediction, I was just thinking that, okay, only Kohli will be out. But I still felt our bench strength is good enough. You know, maybe like Rahul coming in. Uh, in in place of Kohli, uh, then Sharma. You know, the, these are still top top ten players in the world. So that's the reason I thought that you know two two is a possibility, and with Bumrah leading the attack, Shammi being there, Umesh Yadav. But yeah, 
after all those injuries and basically playing like second tier team of india and winning this i i, yeah. I would honestly say it's probably the team c it's not even team d <laughs> yeah yeah look look at the people i mean no disrespect to them they've performed brilliantly to get us this result but think about it right like once your players are become become going to be, start becoming available you clearly know who are who your first pick are going to be right and that's kind of you can see that in the squad that they have announced for the next test series against england it's unfortunate that some of the players who have performed way beyond their expectations uh, have to miss out but that's the unfortunate reality right but i think yeah, it's about time we recognize that you know india has at least 22 25 players who can make a very good team so people are saying this is like india c or something like that i also said maybe a tier 2 team but the way our uh, bench strength and the way we are first class cricket is i think we can get at least 25 good players who can compete against any good team maybe this is like an aberration this kind of series win it doesn't happen like every year but at least we'll show up on the field with with some kind of competitiveness uh, absolutely and uh, i think i was uh, listening to langer's press conference after the game and he did mention that you know if you are the top 50 players from a country of almost a billion people you are still significantly better than majority of the people so yeah. even though in the you know in the rankings you might be in the 50s but that's still a big achievement compared to what you're competing so even when we you know when we throw the term casually a uh, team c or second tier team we don't really mean that in any disrespectful way but we have to acknowledge that there are certain players who are going to be automatic pick at least for the time being you yeah. know as as their form and everything dwindles down things are going to change but right now you clearly know there are the top 11 who are going to you know walk into the team the moment they are picked yeah that that's fair right but one thing to note here is although you would call them a second tier team they have still played with the best and against the best either through ipl or through india a tour so they are no like you know they have just been put it all Uh, you know called up and hey come 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 on the flight you bowl in the nets that's about it uh, right so they they have played against those guys so absolutely and i think that that's one topic i wanted to touch i know that's a lot, lot there is a lot being said in the media about you know the impact of ipl and uh, players getting experience from the international players right but i think one thing we might be overlooking is that one level under ipl is our domestic structure and i feel that that is probably one of the most robust domestic domestic structures going around right and the the reason i say that is because um, you know if you think about it uh, most of the cricketing nations barring england right now have a global t20 tournament right sri lanka has one pakistan has one Bangladesh has one Australia has one for that matter right and so i mean that level of exposure sure that that is helping but the foundation which is being laid in, in the domestic structure of india i don't think anywhere else people are getting the chances absolutely and i think i i remember like only 2000 people used to envy australia's domestic structure because players used to retire and they they used to just produce gems in the sheffield trophy or in their uh, you know local leagues uh, you know like a mike hussey coming in at 29 and playing mm-hmm. the way he played uh, those were the things that people wanted from their domestic structure and in last decade i think india has managed to do that but i guess the india a tours is what i believe is the most significant part of this and a lot of people have said like it bridges the gap and that's where like i said although these players were making their debuts uh, we think they don't have experience but still on the india a tours they have played on these kind of pitches 
uh, against these at least some of these quality players so yeah credit to that structure i would say yeah and also credit to bcci to putting their money to good use i mean we all make a big deal about bcci being the most uh, powerful or the richest board in the world but it's good to see that they are actually investing in their game so you know it's kind of uh, while you are selling a successful product you are also investing in your own r&d as well right and that that's the the that's the foundation for a very good company and that, i think if i look at it bcci is pretty much a company and they they're doing a damn good job of creating good products for future right? as we saw shubman gill man like I don't think anyone is going to stop praising him for at least another week. Oh, right, another right, week? I'm, I'm expecting <laughs> another decade. I don't, I think he is the next big thing or rather he is the big thing now. And and to your point about BCCA investing their money, I would also add it's not just about the money. It's about getting the right people in your structure. You know, you, you'll never, uh, you, you know, hear less from me about Rahul Dravid, but... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's just a fact, right? It's uh, you. Everybody has to just say a quiet thank you to him. Uh, you you can't expect guys like Siraj and Sundar and Gil and Pon to show up on an Australia tour and and play it this way. It's because of those India A tours that has made the difference. And guess who was the coach and who who led that? So yeah, credit to the everybody. I guess everybody. Even Ravi Shastri was fantastic. <laughs> uh, some someone whom I don't admire too much. But I always believe he's good for a assistant coach. But uh, I think he he's done the job. So yeah. Yeah, I I think we have uh, mentioned this in one of our previous episodes that I personally see him as a cheerleader, and that is precisely what he did here. You know, when things were going haywire, you were losing your players right, left, and center. Uh, he kind of maintained the spirit. I feel and. As much as I would like to diss him for his coaching abilities, which again he's a better cricketer, and he has been there than that. But I feel like uh, his role as a coach is not probably as important as his role as a cheerleader for the team, because think like a tour like this, people are being battered right, left, and center. Like they have been physically hurt by the balls. Also, they have been mentally exhausted because of the whole lockdown and everything. And on top of that, like every wheel is coming off the wagon in terms of your you're losing two players every game, pretty much, right? So in hindsight, it, it's a brilliant achievement, uh, even on his part. And credit to him for being able to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know everybody wants to know what's happening in the dressing room, so he's playing a big part there. And then on the field, uh, the the captain, right, Ajinkya Rahane. He is making sure you can make as many plans as you want, but then to execute them, to marshal your resources. So another, another, you know, great skill that Ajinkya Rahane has, which I mean, his personality is very toned down, but he is a big asset uh, for for Indian team. Absolutely, and I think you know having the players who delivered in such a crunch is a, is another thing, but also at the same point. There will be a lot of comparison in the captaincy between the two captains, right? The stand-in Indian captain Rahane and Payne, for that matter, because you could see that at some point in Sydney as well as in Brisbane, you could feel that the Australian team was leaderless. I would say, right? It, it might be a harsh word, but if you think about it, um, you know, when things start going haywire, I mean, this is not the first instance this has happened. There was Headingley, there was SCG, and there is this. So, from his perspective, unfortunately for him, things don't look really that great. 
I mean, I personally like him because uh, I, I'm an admirer of the way he has carried the Australian team uh, since the Newland scandal. And great bloke, I think, you know, whatever happened between him and Ashwin uh, at SCG, it, it, it's, you know, things of the past, but that doesn't really define him as a captain. Uh, but again, it did show a little bit of uh, lack of uh, strategic brilliance, right, that you would have seen. And I, I think that's where... Rahane gets a big plus, not to compare him with Kohli, because those are two different comparisons, I feel. Because Kohli is not really playing this game, right? Where he's losing his uh, his key players right and left, right? Uh, but if I compare Rahane and Tim Payne, just in, in this series particularly, I felt like Rahane was very quick to adapt um, to his game plans. Bringing in Rishabh Pant at the time that they brought him in SCG, right? that was a learning from the first inning in the same game. So they were very quick to execute. I mean, it definitely helped that Pant was able to execute the plan. Like a plan is, you, you can have the best plan on the paper and it would mean nothing if they're not able to execute. But I think uh, at least that thinking or that approach, I think Rahane wins, wins in that comparison. Uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think one thing to note here is that this Australian team is not the ones that we have uh, you know, seen in the past, the Steve Wars and the Pond teams. Right, how they used to be. So, and after the Newland scandal, they are trying to rebuild their reputation. So that aggressiveness has gone. I think you know they 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 are always very verbal, sometimes even uh, ready to be a bit uh, feisty. Uh, but in order to maintain that, I think somewhere they are losing that kind of spark as well, and that's reflecting in their overall uh, leadership. At the same time, you know how they are playing on the field. So the fields that they set. And, and those things are not not really the ones that we're used to seeing. See, but th- that's the thing, right? Like the whole adage that, you know, the Australian captains were super aggressive in the field and that's why they got the results. I honestly don't buy into that because they got results, sure. But if I look at them as cricketers, talent, amazing. But if you look at it from a sportsman perspective, I never really liked those people because, I mean, I used to admire Steve Waugh for the batting. But some of the stuff that they did on the field, had it been any other board, they would have been reprimanded pretty hard, right? So I, I'm completely on Tim Payne's side that, you know, and that was the reason of bringing him in, right? Like to give the whole image of Australian cricket a new turn, right? And he, I, I feel he did a good job. And just being an aggressive captain doesn't mean that you have to be verbal on the field or, you know, get on the nerves of your opponent. Those are the last resort things that you do when, you know, when everyone knows you are losing, but you're not willing to accept it, Right. And that's when the claws come out. But if you look at Rahane in that aspect, right? Like aggressive from the word get-go, be his batting, be it his captaincy or even his field settings, right? And you won't hear the guy chirp to any opponent ever. I, I barely hear him talk to his teammates. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I never really bought into the adage that, you know, the pointings on the walls made the team great because they were so aggressive. I felt that was like, you know, uh, them taking privileges uh, in certain ways where they define the line, the mythical line. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, um, you know, in tactical sense, I think Tim Payne was kind of outplayed. I mean, not just him, because he also has a supporting staff. So you have to say that, you know, the whole squad was outplayed by the way uh, the Indians came back. And I'm not surprised because you would think that if your opponent is losing their key players day in, day out, like literally every day, you would expect them to break at some point, which this team... Yeah. Doesn't know apparently they don't have that term in the dictionary, which is brilliant. But yeah, you got to feel a bit for pain at that point. I think. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think they they accepted right after the match that they they failed to win those key moments in all the tests, 
I mean, that one hour in Adelaide, that that was an hour where everything went their way, uh, right? Yeah. Even when they didn't want things to go there, or they expected <laughs> to go that way, but it went everything their way. And then yeah. that was the lowest point for India team. And after that, obviously, it was going to be uphill, right? You cannot go anything. You know, or go yeah, I mean, or everything from there was just, just yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. But on the tactical side, yes, we, we've seen Vaughn on the commentary, uh, right? He has been so brutal about the tactics against Rishabh Pant uh, while Nathan Lyon is bowling. So, you know, that era where Vaughn and Ponting and Walls and Mark Taylor, they used to play, they would have set aggressive field. Or maybe yeah. this this era of uh, Tim Payne and Justin Nanga, they they have different plans. Or or maybe it's easy to sit in the commentary box and and you know uh, give your advice. But on the field, they they are seeing something else. So uh, definitely a difference between what we have seen in the past versus this current Australian leadership, and something uh, for them to think uh, if they, if they want to win the Ashes in November uh, towards the end of the year, right? I I. Now I think Indians are going to make prediction 4-0. Let's see how how Michael Clark and Ponting and uh, you know they, they react on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, honestly, man, I, I wouldn't pay too much heed to what they predict because, again, it, it it's been kind of known over the years that you know, uh, it's not the Australian eleven that you're playing. It's the media and uh, their uh, former cricketers. You you're also playing against them because the mind games start very soon. Uh, whenever you're facing Australia, right? So, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't pay a, a second's attention to their tweets. But I think that's that's the difference, right? You see those players who are making those comments supporting Brad Haddon, the Michael Clark, they come from that kind of generation where they used to give it back, whether it's on the field or off the field. Even before the, the touring team has reached Australia, they, they are predicting 4-0 <laughs> and 5-0 white. But that is not reflected on the team that is playing in the field. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the difference there. Uh, and I don't think, I think moving forward, these these ex-players will, will, will be very cautious making those kind of predictions. Yeah, and considering that some of them actually have contracts with uh, BCCI for the IPL, I would imagine you know, they, they might be cautious there. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to get a paycheck, right? So... Um, they, they they might uh, pick and choose their words a more a little more carefully in the future, but uh, another thing that I wanted to discuss from you know before we go on to the Indian team's performance is one thing I noticed in the Australian squad is sure they have the best bowling quartet probably right now in the world maybe head to head with India at this point, but what after that? Uh, I think yeah I, I would say you you remove comments from this team. Let let Steve Smith be there. Let Labushain be there. Let Warner be there. I think it 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 will still be a mediocre team, right? Because Stark was pelted. You see that over from Gill. Well, he he's taking him on twenty runs of the over. In fact, the last over before lunch, you know, he's not afraid to you know uppercut him over over third man. Right. That was so, a beautiful shot, though. <laughs> and to and to like you know keep Nathan Lyon at bay, not give him that 400 landmark. Basically, it was just Cummins versus India, right? And that is the reason the Australians are always under pressure, right? and they had to bowl so many overs. And this, and when you have Pujara at one end, right, you almost know that that wicket is not falling. Try to get other people out, but then people like Pant and then Rahane and then Kill, they are in good mix. Then you cannot get even them up. So yeah, I threw your question. What after that? 
I think their bowling results are pretty good. Uh, you know, I've I've been following their big bash and and some of their Sheffield uh, uh, score lines. So they they have good players like Jai Richardson and Michael Neeser, and so there there are good backups. But I think it's a batting, right? I think the question is if Smith and Warner don't perform, then then who? Right? They they might have found Labushin, but that doesn't make that those three players cannot every time get you to 400, 450. Yeah, and especially you know on on two, after tours like these like these questions are bound to come up right because you kind of feel that certain players have been given a longer rope as compared to others and it is eventually it, it's bound to end at some point right so i think in, in the coming weeks or perhaps uh, you know before their tour to south africa I, I would be keen on you know looking at how they're approaching it do they go for a balance of you know experience versus youth or do they just like start prepping their next generation for whatever it might come because australia against south africa is going to be a cracker of a series so it might be trial by fire for a lot of youngsters who might be, who might end yeah. up in that series and you never know you might just find the next labusha in there or perhaps a smith you yeah absolutely and i think yeah after the series they 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 have been forced to think about uh, revamping their domestic structure uh, it was good enough 15 years back to produce players like Michael Clark and Hussey and and uh, you know Cummins and those guys, but maybe now things have changed, so they definitely need to look into that as well. And I'm sure they'll have that full blown analysis of what went wrong, despite having the strongest team uh, on the field uh, against the tier two team, if you want to call that. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, like you know let's just keep an eye out for what Australia does in the coming few weeks. Uh, but let's move on to a happier note. From an Indian fan's perspective, what a game! I I don't think I'm still over it. Basically, that win, uh, you know, we we guys are in US. It it goes on till like three in the morning, and then you have office like seven in the morning. I've barely slept. But what I've been doing is I've just been scanning through all social media handles and and all media outlets just to you know read and see what other people are saying. Like, it is so great. I think the best feeling. The last time I was so ecstatic was like in 2003, the Adelaide Test. After that, it was 2007 T20 World Cup. And then it's today uh, after this test. Great, great display, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I even have words to describe how, uh, how amazing this series has been. To me, until yesterday, the benchmark was always the 2005 Ashes because that was my you know introduction to what a hard fought series looks like and that 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 was my benchmark to any test series you know sure you'll have a game here and there last year's ashes was pretty good nowhere close to that but i'm leaning towards you know putting this series on top of that perhaps no that's a good point and do you see any resemblance from the 2005 ashes uh you know kevin peterson andrew Flintoff, simon jones they were the youngsters who took on australia before that the england touring team <laughs> Before boarding the flight, they they already know they are going to get thrashed, <laughs> right? Uh, although on their home ground, but you you know I've I've seen those matches. Kevin Peterson taking on Shane Vaughan, taking on Glenn McGrath, and similar thing here, right? Rishabh Pant, Gill, uh, not afraid to take on Starks and Cummins. So, I, I think for me, the 2001 series in India, that Kolkata Test, that started the India Australia rivalry. But this GABA test has taken it to another level now. 
and it's basically and it's between that 20 years where we have grown up at least we all millennials have grown up so yeah i'm sure we are going to witness now another 10 years of great rivalry i hope australia produce some good players because it's no fun beating them again and again <laughs> <laughs> oh my god are we getting cocky here are we getting cocky here absolutely man we we beaten last time they were all crying they don't have smith and warner in 2018 and that's the reason they lost but what now man we didn't have bumrah and kohli and we still beat them so why not <laughs> Like not even Boomerang Kohli. Forget about like those two. We didn't have like the two key players from last game. Like they were out injured, so we just had to like pick up pick up the young kids, hand two of them debuts, and yeah. what a debut it has been for them. I mean the partnership between Sundar and Shahrukh Thakur. I mean I know I gave a lot of crap uh, to Shahrukh Thakur on, on the podcast because I'm not really a big fan of his bowling, but man that batting display, what a display that was. I, mean, I think that. that opened up the game uh, oh, otherwise absolutely. india absolutely there is no doubt about that yeah india has done and dusted in the first innings itself uh, then we 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 had no option but to go for go for a draw right and that could have gotten tricky but yeah full credit to those two guys yeah i think that was one of the uh, most impactful partnerships of the whole series i would say right yeah Because i think the yeah i got it, it got india close to parity with australia's first inning and you know after that the way siraj bowled in the second inning fantastic and you know e- even after that like just just imagine this right you are on a two months tour and the decider comes down to last one hour of play and for what else can you expect there right and the best part of all of this was like every session on the fifth day had a new winner right oh yeah, yeah. if you think about it right like the first session pujara grinded it out and then second session pant kind of started of started getting in there and then in the third session it was sundar and him again so i think i, I think that that has been the highlight of the game it, it, on paper sure it seems like you know uh, rishabh pant clearly deserves the man of the match award but the way the last day went it clearly shows the impact achiteshwar pujara can have on your whole squad because he kind of gave them the insurance policy that you know no matter what happens there is not going to be a collapse at one end even though others are playing their shots i'm going to hold this end and he he literally put his body on line for that yeah and it's more like diversifying your risk right pont uh, will keep playing that means we are in the fray to win and if he gets out then obviously we have a rocket the other end who can draw the test match for us so we are mm-hmm. not going to lose by any way so australia has to think both ways should we attack or should we defend right i mean they they went with the attacking option almost throughout the last day Uh, which i think was the right thing to do although the field field placements were questionable but yeah i think one thing is that you're going to keep seeing players like you know gills and funds and uh, those attacking batsmen basically they are more like the sevags of this generation but i'll be very interested to see who's going to be the next pujara i mean at the time when we had dravid we okay we found pujara but the way these youngsters play who's going to you know be that laid back person who would like to play their waiting innings and be that next pujara i i'll be very interested to see in the, in the next few years yeah i mean to play almost 1000 balls back to back series in australia it's no joke right like once you did it sure people might chalk it off that you know what you were just going through a purple patch but this inning again he showed that i mean he was being criticized left and right for the methods which have 
shown results in the previous store he was just replicating the same method and still people were going for his head um but again he stuck to his gun and he was patient enough to you know grind the bowlers down and that's literally what he did he physically exhausted them right yeah. and uh, honestly that that's a very big question about who is going to be that next pujara yeah i mean i'm sure he is still has at least 3 4 years behind him uh, i ho- i hope so yeah at least another australian tour but i would say that's again credit to like the captain and the team management if they can let a rishabh pant do what he is very good at then they are also allowing a strategic pujara do what he's really good at block 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 tire out the bowlers and that's the team game right that is where players like uh, you know mayank agarwal or or rishabh pant or washington sundar they are facing tired comings and start and they can they can capitalize on on those loose balls so uh it's more like you know everybody is standing up for everyone uh, uh, and i think that was a great thing about this team uh, absolutely and even you know youngsters like tinatrajan or siraj or even shardul thakur or sundar putting up their hands when you know the team needed them the most imagine sundar you are predominantly considered as a t20 player you were just held back just in case you walk into the game and you pretty much have impact both with the bat and with the ball in both the innings to to be thrown in that cauldron uh, it, it's just brilliant like sure they did it for the team as well but think of it uh, of what an ego boost that is going to be for up and coming cricketer right like yeah. there, there is no bigger test uh, than playing australia and worse is playing them in a series decider so if you come out of this on top you yeah, have to I I was mighty impressed with his calm uh, calmness and composure in the middle that partnership with Chardul and then also while well, you know the way he bowled we all thought at the start oh he's a T20 bowler he can he can keep things tight but maybe he cannot get wickets but he did get wickets and I just it maybe it's too early but I still I think he might be the replacement for Ashwin in next couple of years he, if he can improve his bowling skills uh, you know that that I think he's more of a batsman than a bowler, but if he, if he can improve his bowling skills, get some more variations, and start thinking more wisely and skillfully, which he will with experience, I think we've got a very good backup for Ashwin. Uh, whenever Ashwin uh, call calls it a day, so yeah, really, you know, looking forward to that prospect. Yeah, and that's again another beauty of the domestic structure. Like you pretty much have like for like a replacement to whoever you pick. So exactly. I think that, yeah that that's amazing but again um considering you know players like uh mohammed siraj or even now deep saini right like they were expected to be you know kind of in the shadows of the frontline bowlers unfortunately in their second and third test they were the frontline bowlers so to to shoulder that responsibility is uh, not just having faith in yourself but also like the mental fortitude that you need to turn it around in such a crunch game it's i mean i can go on and on for like hours just talking about these guys the way they have played the way they have carried themselves and yeah man it's it's just uh, i mean maybe, yeah yeah they they had nothing to lose right they know that the the, the best players of a of our uh, you know regular squad are out uh, they are just expected to compete but you know in that process they ended up beating the team so i think that that's one thing that played in their favor they they are going with that mindset of nothing to lose 
because nobody is going to criticize them in their second or third test. How can we lose a match against Australia? Right? right. Strong teams haven't been able to beat Australia. And that Gapa, 38 years, that fortress oh, and wow. all those. Yeah. That has been put to, put to rest now. Enough <laughs> of Gapa, Gapa, Gapa. <laughs> Yeah. So one other thing I wanted to talk about is like, I noticed that, you know, in Sydney and even in Gaba, a lot was being made about how the pitches behaved or rather how the pitches did not behave, you know, because everyone was kind of expecting, oh, the pitches are going to deteriorate and they really didn't do that much. I mean, sure, in Gaba, you did, did see those cracks and ball did move. But I feel that, you know, a lot was being made of that and not about how teams are adapting to the changes, right? Because it wasn't like the pitch didn't change only for Australia. Sure, like it matters who bats second, who bats third, who bats fourth. It matters. Agreed. But both teams had to make adjustments to their plan during the course of the game. Right? And I felt like, you know, the whole discussion around, oh, the pitches are like this. They are not behaving the way they are expected to. It kind of irked me a little because that, that's the beauty of the game. Like you adjust. Like If you don't adjust quick enough, you're going to perish in those five days. Yeah, I think you know, looking from a home and uh, looking at that at that pitch, I felt it was doing what. Well, I, I I would say I mean the pitch had enough deterioration that you would see on an SCG pitch or a Brisbane pitch. It was more about how many balls did Australian bowlers landed on those cracks or on those dry patches, right? The pitch is only going to do if you land it on those cracks. Which I think Indians did, Siraj did. We saw a couple of, uh, you know, odd bounces, the, the wicket of uh, Steve Smith, uh, how it took off. Right? That's because he landed on that crack. It's not going to do if you don't land it on the crack. And another thing is the way Indians attacked it on SCG, Lion took the game against, uh, sorry, Punt took the game against Lion, right? So he just charged down the pitch and took it on the pitch and didn't allow the ball to do anything. Forget about, you know, odd bounce and all those things. So that's the reason we didn't see anything. And then at Brisbane, I didn't see like Hazelwood and Cummins. Uh, I mean, they are great bowlers, but they didn't, I don't think they pitched that much in those cracking areas. So that that's my observation of, of you know, why the pitch didn't do as much as we thought it would do. Yeah, and I think like, you know, the pitch did or didn't do. That should be the second discussion. It's like, what did the team do to adapt to that? Right? Like you mentioned the example of Pant. Coming down the track, not allowing the ball to spin and taking it on, you know, uh, coming, like, taking it before it has a massive spin. Right? That's just like a tactical approach that you take. That, okay, I know the ball, the baller is going to land here. He's going to pitch here. He's going to try to maximize the opportunity from the pitch. I'm going to take that out of the equation. And that is what I would expect from the whole team honestly right yeah so and uh, it goes back to your point about you know Timpe not being uh tactically that good uh, at least in the last two tests uh, they didn't do enough uh but then it also uh is attributed to the mental strength of the indians and uh, yes australians are physically more stronger than indians but then pujara doesn't get a run for 30 balls and he doesn't care he gets hit on the helmet, he gets hit on the chin, everywhere, right? And he doesn't care. Whereas Australia, if they are not getting wicket for 10 overs, they, they were getting all, uh, you know, frustrated. You you could see the frustration on Stark's face, on Nathan Lance's face. Uh, right? Even Labushin at some point. Yeah, yeah absolutely. 
so that played a part as well so it was yeah i think pitch is more like secondary and on that note actually while we are talking about it i, I want to throw this curveball question to you how much of this is the result of data you know what i mean like uh, let's say gaba just take it as an example right traditionally uh, bowlers are expected to pick wickets by bowling in certain areas right and let's say that you know those are the areas where the cracks usually develop so the team came in with a plan that okay this is the like let's say good length is what we are going to bowl fourth stump line and let the pitch do its thing right historically that have that may have been accurate that's what data showed you so you came in with that right and that's why you are like no this is what we are going to stick but if the cracks have moved around if the pitch hasn't done what you expect it to then i feel like that's where you know not blindly trusting the data is really important right because historically if it showed you that good length is going to give you let's say maximum of 80% of your wickets if it's not doing in this game you adapt yeah i would say like you know nowadays yes data is a very big thing in every field and uh, it's coming up in sports as well and it's good to use but it is only a, a starting point it's not like a be it you know to make a decision because that data is from past teams which had different players different skills different tactics different captains everything is different right and if you see like couple of years back pakistan scored 450 on on the last day against the same team while they were chasing like 490 or something so uh, you know to be not able to score at gaba in the in the fourth innings and fifth day i think that's that's all now a myth or or rather you should be keeping that aside i would say you can look at the data you can plan but then in the end it's a skill and the temperament on the field that matters at least in sports yeah, it's not a it's not a business decision right it's 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 in the end it's it's a game uh, it's everything is happening very fast it's impromptu batsmen are making decisions in a split second whether they want to go for it or not right? or if they want to dill scoop you yeah exactly on, on a fifth day pitch <laughs> <laughs> yeah or someone like pujara who just comes on the pitch and he wants to sleep he doesn't care what the world is saying right <laughs> right who has a data for a pujara like him the closest you could get data is from rahul dravid right but that's just one data point how are you going to plan against pujara now that's true yeah, yeah. and th- that's why i feel like you know data absolutely is a really good really reliable starting point but that's what it should be it should be the starting point and the moment things start evolving teams need to come up with a new strategy on the fly and be it business or be it sports that's how it works right like you start with an assumption the moment you see something not working right you quickly adapt or you perish that's it so yeah well uh okay so one quick thing uh report cards for the game let's say let, let's let's hear your top 3 picks from the game and uh see what you have to like how, how would you grade the top 3 performance of the game uh so i'll pick first from australia and then uh, save the best uh, for the last uh, and pick <laughs> game so i think from australia pack cummins absolutely uh, i think he's everybody's favorite uh, a fierce competitor and with great skills and steamed in i think all four tests he he pulled like what around 170 180 overs across uh, four four tests so uh, great fitness great skills so i would give him like 9 on 10 
he didn't manage to get a five wicket haul in any of the four tests so that's something that he he probably needs to think how he can convert those three four and four four into six or seven or that uh, you know you would like uh then i think marnas labushain i i really like him i know some people hate him for the for, you know the the childish things that he does but i think he, i like him for those things because he he is like a a soft uh, guy uh, who likes to be excited so i think labushain uh, i would give him like 8 on 10 uh, and then third uh, i would say i was impressed with tim paine's batting uh, you wouldn't expect tim paine to have an average of around 48ish uh, you know so okay. i yeah i think i like tim paine and and yes technically he could have been better but then again we don't know what their plans were or maybe he was really executing what was decided uh but yeah for batting i think i'll i'll give him those points uh smith yeah he scored a century but uh, i think he he still underperformed he could have done way more uh you know than what what he did that's a testament to that guy's greatness right like he scored the century yeah. and we are like you know what you could have done better <laughs> a century is not good enough <laughs> exactly right and he probably knows that as well so uh, but yeah i i think these were the top 3 ones from australia india uh, uh well definitely punt the two innings one in scgm then the brisbane one uh, you have to rate it very high uh then second would be bumrah uh he was a lone warrior and then he coached others as well uh, right yeah. so bumrah bumrah and then third i would give it to uh ajinkya rahane for his captaincy uh, that mcg comeback i think he set the uh, you know momentum as a captain be under that pressure after that adelaide test uh, he he would be disappointed to not score much after in the sydney and the brisbane test but that mcg laid the foundation for the whole team to believe that yeah we we have a captain who can make things happen he doesn't have to be too aggressive uh, yeah and i don't yeah mcgill i would say actually pont and gill together at the top right uh, with, with the experience they have and the and the composure and still being aggressive yeah i think these were the topics for me what were your thoughts on indian players so i think uh, for indian players particularly i think you know rahane definitely gets top marks right like he's probably at 8 out of 10 like combined uh, combined with the century the way he has carried the team you know since the second game onwards uh, the way he has managed the crisis on you know during the game and you know between the game losing players uh also his batting like sure after that 100 he might have only had a couple of 30s or something but still they were very fluent and that is something that i really liked um pant stand out i mean i honestly was skeptical of including him in the first first test but you know the moment kohli goes out he he becomes an automatic choice and at that point i don't think you know there is anything he has done wrong with his batting so definitely high on those scales um the third pick would be siraj i would say you know precisely for the reasons that you said bumrah gets high marks because you know bumrah has played at least a few games more uh outside india with this keep uh, like you know with a whole bunch right they attack in packs he's used yeah. to that bumrah yeah bumrah has played all his matches outside india he's yet to play in india <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and th- that's why like you know 
I, I would have expected him to perform good either way. So that's no surprise. But I'm surprised by the way Siraj has been able to you know step up in absence of those players. So that's why he gets like good points out there. No, that's that's fair, right? I mean, basically you can pick each and every player, and everybody did their bit. Uh, but but yeah, uh, maybe even these top three. Yeah, somebody else's top three would be somebody else, and it basically covers the whole. And and they wouldn't be wrong, honestly. Like they yeah. could pick anyone. They, someone could come and tell me that you know what what Ravindra Jadeja did uh, in the previous game was the series decider. I can't argue with that because it kind yeah. of was, right? Yeah. Even Bihari. Right, you you yeah. can give it all to Bihari. Otherwise, the series was lost, or at least it was the game was gone in in Sydney itself. Absolutely, yeah. So, like all those uh, small contributions that these guys have made, like it's very difficult to pick. Like you know who won us the series. Uh, I would say it was everyone, including you know the management, uh, going down to the physios, who I think deserve a shout out. Yeah. because of sheer amount of work that they have had to do during the game between the games and probably going to have to do after the games so the unsung heroes in this case i would say yeah. i i read i had a joke i think people were saying that nitin patel who's a physio he shouldn't be in the dressing room he should be right next to the third umpire because <laughs> every other over somebody is getting injured or somebody is taking those body blows and he's just walking in just stay on the field man <laughs> Might as well save some time. But yeah, I mean, yeah. like it, it, it's impressive, right? Like they had so little time between the games to you know patch up the players, bring them up, and even during the games, right? Like uh, when Pant took that hit and SCG, it was a big concern. What's going to happen? He continued to play, and you know things like those. Like it, it's not just the eleven players that you see on the field, or even the substitutes walk, walking in. Um, it's also the support staff that plays a big role. Like you know. It, Apart from your Shastris and everyone else that you see, like the Vikram Rathods and who or not, uh, these are the players, these are the people behind the scenes who are kind of making the big difference as well. Because patching together a team which was, like I said, like losing players left and right, it, it it's a big thing, right? I think a close knit team, uh, not just the players but everybody. And for the first time, I would say after a long time, uh, you know, when when you are trying to pick a clear uh, you know, star of the series, it's hard. Everybody has performed at different times of the game in different sessions, and those moments have been critical in winning the game or, or taking the game forward or, or in India's favor. Uh, in 2018, everybody knows Pujara's two century, I think that made the difference, and he playing out 1200 balls. But this time around, man, you can pick Gil, you can pick Pant, you can pick Rahana century, you can pick Siraj, you can pick those. Shardul and Shardul Washington. Shardul Shardul. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Bihari and Ashwin's resolute. I think there's so many moments to pick. And that's the reason, right? It's very difficult. Uh, you know, it hasn't settled down in my mind what has happened really. You know, whom do we focus on? Yeah, I think it's going to sink in for me uh, when I go through the highlights of the five games, five days again. Because uh, it still feels so real, so surreal. Right, because I, again, like just like you, been up the whole night, and still haven't had a chance to sleep and like digest what happened. Right, so yeah, I mean, it, it's gonna linger in our memories for a long, long time. Th- these are the kind of things that we are gonna tell, you know, uh, the future generations that you know what that was a series that we lived through, and uh, that's that that's that's what 
test cricket is all about right so yeah yeah and i i would say i think just keep this momentum going until july hopefully we are playing that finals at lords and make sure we make it count i'm i'm sometimes i i get frustrated a little bit with this team because if they like they they somehow choose a knockout games to be their bad games <laughs> I, don't, i don't want that to happen this time around and i think world test championship is going to be the pinnacle moving forward i think people are going to be play pay less attention to uh, world cup odi world cups so yeah that's that's a good point that you bring like uh, the world test championship so i think with india winning now and being at the top of the table followed by new zealand and australia england in you know on, on the fringes i think it kind of uh, makes it very interesting for the second team who's going to be there because india has some games coming up and england is probably playing crucial games in sri lanka right now which if the first game was anything to show by that pretty much going to win that one too right so england has an outside chance uh, you know if they have a whitewash in india um, but yeah that's going to definitely make it interesting you know between india and england and also it's going to have an impact on how the other games go yeah i i would think so but i think at still at this stage england is still pretty behind uh, they have to obviously yes first beat sri lanka and then beat india which is going to be uh, like a herculean task uh, in our own backyard uh, but you you never take anything for granted right or what that's what gaba has taught us That's yeah exactly what gaba taught us <laughs> yeah what what we have done other teams can do to us as well so that's something Absolutely. young young players need to keep in mind but i i would predict i think it's going to be india versus uh, australia in in the in the lords final uh, i'm sure say i think australia will uh, because new zealand games are done uh, and they are at 70% uh, at the moment australia 69.2 and right. yeah right and i think they they have uh, upcoming series against south africa although they they are battered uh, i would still back them because south africa is also not that strong they they have their own issues to solve it right uh, uh, right so no dale stain no one and philander i think rabada is only threat and then maybe two place and decock uh, so i it's evenly matched same thing uh, with australia but i would still expect australia to win the series and and get ahead of new zealand and then it will be a cracker at the lords if that's going to happen my two india australia series test series um, <laughs> outside india in a year i mean it's going to be christmas pretty early in the year i guess yeah i think as a fan what more can you ask hopefully covid regulations are off and we can actually go down there and watch those games well yeah we missed out on 2019 world cup that you are planning to Uh, okay, travel there, but yeah, definitely for this. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right, gang. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed the series as much as we did. We'll catch up with you next week, same place, same time.